0: Our guest for today's episode is my friend, Amy Weatherly. Amy is a wife, a mom, an author, and the co-creator of Sister I Am With You. She's passionate about helping women embrace courage, confidence, and purpose for their lives, and helping them make really good friends. I recently read the book that she co-authored with her friend, Jess Johnston, who we've had on the podcast before, and it's called I'll Be There, but I'll Be Wearing Sweatpants. I loved the book, right up my alley, right? But there's one chapter in particular that Amy wrote, and it was so good, and I loved it so much, I knew we had to have her back on the show to talk with us about it. Here are just a few of the questions I'm asking Amy in this episode. I'm asking her, how do our personal insecurities affect our friendships? Like, Why does how we feel about ourselves matter for friendship? We're talking about how to build confidence in ourselves and truly love ourselves, I ask her, once we find confidence in ourselves, how do we bring that confidence into our friendships and so much more. Amy has amazing wisdom when it comes to friendships and she's so much fun. You guys are gonna love her. But before we dive in, if you have been considering going to therapy lately, you've been thinking that that might be something that you need right now, but you've been wondering where to find a good counselor or how you might be able to afford it, there's a resource I wanted to make sure to share with you. It's one of our amazing Girls' Night Podcast sponsors, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This is truly the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. Now you may have heard me talk about Faithful Counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I wanted to tell you four quick reasons why I love them so much. The first is easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website. Fill out a form about yourself, what you're going through and what you're looking for in a counselor. And within 24 hours, Faithful Counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. Second reason I love them is that it's easy to schedule. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours. You can also log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and the best part is you can do it all virtually. No commute, no awkward waiting room time, less time away from work. You can even do your sessions in your PJs. The third reason I love them is that it's so easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you really connect with. And often we don't find the right person on our first try. So then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which can be awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. They really make it so easy to find the best fit possible. And then the fourth reason is that it's easier to fit into your budget. Now I love traditional in-person counseling. But it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially in a time when the economy is in flux. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. And if you sign up for this special link they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something that you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling and that link will give you 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling for all the info, and you can get 10% off your first month of counseling there too. All right, friends. With that said, let's jump into today's episode. All right, friends. I cannot wait for the conversation that you were about to hear. I'm sitting with my friend. I'm just, we've talked once before, but last time we were like, all right. We're friends. So I'm I'm just calling it 100% official. I'm sitting with my friend, Amy Weatherly. Amy, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Oh my
1: gosh. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, um, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself.
1: Okay. Um, my name is Amy Weatherly. I am a writer and mostly I'm a mom. I mean, honestly, that's what I do more than anything else. But... um, I write, I co-authored a book called I'll Be There, but I'll Be Wearing sweatpants, And it did pretty well. And that was, I guess, over a year ago, which sounds crazy. But yeah, it came out over a year ago. Um, I co-run a page called Sister I Am With You over on Facebook. We're on Instagram too. We're honestly, we're terrible at Instagram. Um, <laughs> we're so bad at it. <laughs> Maybe one day we can get it together. But um Same. Yeah, okay, fun fact about myself is um I was voted goofiest female in the 8th grade and that has like I was like devastated at the time and now I'm like n- no, you you are still the goofiest. Like
0: still you're ch- like take like did they give you a trophy? I hope they gave you a trophy.
1: Um somewhere I got a little something but I threw it away cuz I was so embar- I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed.
0: Eighth grade, Amy, that is an artifact. We need that now. I know, but I was so, you're like, you can't get like best smile. I can't get, uh,
1: was fun to be around, friendliest, best dress, good Lord, anything but goofiest. I remember going home and being like, no one's ever gonna date me.
0: Yeah, most likely to have all the guys have a crush on them and ask them out. Yeah, like, where was that one? That was not for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, goofiest, I think that is the best. And uh, yeah, that's that's the best. I love that.
1: I mean, and it's still, I'm like, oh, I mean, yeah, you should have just rocked it because you were, I mean, I was,
0: I am. Uh, I mean, listen, when we're in eighth grade, we don't know, like we don't know how to play to our strengths yet or we don't know how to embrace our strengths yet. Yeah. Which I mean, is kind of what we're gonna be talking about. Um, I wanna, I'm gonna be linking to our last conversation because I just loved it. But I want to just have you give a backstory a little bit. You talk about friendship a lot, and that's what your last book was about. Yeah. Um, Tell us how this all started, like fighting for female friendship, teaching women how to be good friends to each other, how to receive friendship. Like how did... Why is this something that you talk about with women?
1: Okay, I think it's so funny because I didn't ever... I did not realize that I was talking about friendship. Like, I was just kind of, like, doing these, um, they're basically, like, diary entries. Like, okay, nobody wants to talk about feeling insecure. I'll talk about it. No one Mm. talk about how hard it is to feel left out, even as a grown woman. Okay, I'll talk about it. I feel those things. Or how hard it is when you get, like, you know, you think you're really close to someone and then suddenly, like, boom, no, you're not. No, you're not. Um... And how hard that is and how as an adult, I never thought I would experience those things ever. Like I thought that I thought that that is teenage stuff. And once you're done with it, you're done with it. And so I I just, they were like diary entries. Honestly, they weren't anything. I wasn't trying to do anything radical. And then over the course of talking about being insecure and talk about, you know, feeling like, like I was sometimes left out, not in a bad way, not like the whole poor me I'm left out just that like these are normal human feelings and most of us experience them. um, But don't want to admit it out loud because, you know, anyways, but as I would write about these things, other people would tell me, they're like, Oh, I love the way you talk about friendship. And in my mind, I wasn't talking about friendship. I was just talking about the way I felt and the things I had experienced. Um, And just, I just didn't want people to feel alone is really it. And so then I started realizing that, oh my gosh, yeah, okay, this is, this all does have to do with friendship. And this has been an area of my life where I have, I've always struggled. And you know, like, believe it or not, the goofiest girl in the eighth grade doesn't always have a lot of friends. (laughs) Not, not everyone wants her to sit at their table. (laughs) And, um...
0: It's because eighth graders have no taste, is why.
1: They don't know it's good.
0: No, they don't know it's good.
1: That was fun. Um... But just kind of struggling with that, finding who you are and knowing who you are and being okay with it, just being okay with it was such a, is such a big part. And I think because I'd struggled with it for so long that it just became something that was near and dear to me. So I just, I don't know. I just put it all out there. And other people told me I was talking about friendship and I was like, oh yeah, okay. That is about friendship. Let me dive further. Mm
0: I love that. Um, tell us about the book real quick, because I know, I mean, again, we'll link to the other episode, but I just want to hear, tell us, just give us like a, a quick rundown of it, because we're really going to dive into a piece of it today. Um, um.
1: Yeah, uh, that was so much fun to write. I wrote it with my friend, Jess. So Jess and I were running Sister, I'm with you together. I had gotten this random idea, like it was a very random idea. Jess and I had never even met in person. We were like phone friends. and mm. um, She lives in California, I'm in Texas. And I got this random idea one day. Like, I just called her up and I was like, Jess, do you want to start a page called Sister I'm With You where we just talk about friendship? That's it. We only talk about female friendship. I've kind of done like a light, like very, like maybe a five minute uh, research on the subject. And I was like, I don't think there's any uh, space that's really like this. Are you in? Do you want to do it with me? And she was like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so seriously, Sister I'm With You was born in... Five to ten minutes, pops. Like it was just an idea that came to me, and I it felt really powerful. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's see what happens. And then, sister, I'm with you. On Facebook, grew to. I mean, we had a hundred thousand followers within a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, like it was crazy. Like it was it was crazy. I'm trying to think how. I mean, we hit a million followers within a year. I mean, it was just nuts. Like it was nuts. It was it was crazy. And clearly, we just tapped on something that women were craving and, and like a, and I hate that women struggled with it. <laughs> you know, I kind of wish it wasn't a sore spot for women, but it was, yeah. it was a, it was like an open wound and kind of able like, Hey, let's write about this. So Jess and I started a page to share. I'm with you, you know, and at that point it grew so fast and I had my own page. And so then publishers come and want you to write a book. And I was like, yes, I will write a book, but, um, can Jess please do it with me? And so, yeah, we wrote this book together and it's about friendship, but more than friendship, because I think the first step to friendship and everybody wants to skip this step, but the first step to friendship is really being comfortable with who you are and knowing who you are. That's really the first step. Because if you don't get that right, the friendships are going to be a whole lot harder. I'm not saying they won't come, but they're going to be significantly more difficult. Mm -hmm. They require, because it's more, you know, everybody wants to be popular. And everybody thinks that's that is it. It's not about being popular. Um, I don't care if you get invited to everything in town and at you are playing all the bunko and you're like invited to all the stuff. That's not what it's about. You want to belong. You want to have a place to belong. You want to have people who know who you are, the dark parts of you, the deep parts of you, the hurting parts of you, the successful part of you, the, the whole of you. You want to have a place where people will accept all of that and will know all of who you are. Mm. And I think until we really know ourselves, we just, it's like we, we walk around wearing a mask and, um, that makes, that mask makes belonging pretty hard.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, I think that we have this idea that popularity is the opposite of loneliness. Yeah. Yeah and it's just not like yep. we've all experienced being surrounded by people but feeling super alone and i think that that's what a lo- like no one is is immune to this and and a lot of times the people who are the most popular on the outside are feeling the most insecure or feeling lo- the loneliness or loneliest on the inside and more invitations like doesn't actually scratch that itch it seems like it would but it doesn't no, not at all because behind your mask. Like you can be really alone back there. Yeah. And it's also a lot of work to keep it on.
1: Oh, it's so much work to keep it on. And that's where I think I was for just a really long time. And, uh, I kind of like fell into writing on the internet and blogging. Like I didn't mean to, I just, I was, I wrote, I wrote something in this private little teeny tiny group that I thought maybe a hundred people would read. And then it, went like insanely viral. Like it just got copied and pasted and it was all over the internet. And It was the first thing I'd ever write and written. Um it's the first thing I'd ever written. Um
0: <laughs> we write books. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's fine. English is hard. It is hard. Uh, but yeah, it's like the first thing I'd ever written and it went crazy viral. So it was just kind of one of my- so I was like, oh okay God. Okay, God. I guess we are doing this. Doing this. So I kind of just fell into it. But it had come in a, a time in my life where I had just, there's this really great quote. I'm trying to think who it's by. I can't say it because there's a cuss word in it. But it is a
0: really great... You can say it. Can I say it? Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I never know what kind of. Um...
0: No, we're, we're okay with the well-placed cuss word. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I'm trying to think of who it's by. Who, who wrote Eat, Love, Pray? Elizabeth Gilbert.
0: Oh, Eat pray love, Elizabeth Gilbert, yep. Okay,
1: so the quote is something along the lines of I've never known anyone who ch- who changed wait, every something about like everybody I know who's ever really changed their life, it's because they were they got tired of their own bullshit. Mm. And that <laughs> quote just kind of fell true to me because it was, I was just tired. Like I had tried so hard for so long to just have people like me like I am very much a people pleaser I am such a people pleaser we talked about this before I was on I'm really hard on myself and I tried for so long to just wear that mask to just be who I thought I was supposed to be I don't want to be the goofy girl I wanted to be like the girl who had it together and the girl was who was put together and the girl who um had the answers and was like always really nice just to be really really nice um and I just finally got tired of it. Like I kept losing friends. I couldn't figure out why. Um, my dad got really sick. Where we, you know, he had both kidneys removed. Um, you know, every phone call is like, "Is this the last phone call?" Every time you talk to him, is this the last time I talk to him? Yeah. And so, and it, it, it's a hereditary disease. So at the same time of kind of struggling with maybe maybe I'm about to lose my dad, um, I'm going and getting tested for all of this stuff, and and kind of hits me that like. Okay, so like in 20 years, I mean you might be having both of your kidneys removed. You might have to survive off of dialysis. Um and I just finally decided I didn't want to live with that mask on anymore. I didn't want to live trying so hard to just be enough. I just wanted to live. I just wanted to live. I just wanted to feel free. I just wanted to be myself. I wanted to be all of me. Um and kinda of like I like you just kinda of wanna like play all your cards eventually because you've held so many of them close for so long that you feel like if anyone knew this, then they're gonna talk bad about me. Or if anyone knew this card, then I'd be kicked out of this group. If anyone knew this, then they wouldn't. You kind of just want to get to a place where like, okay, I just wanna be able to lay them all out. I am was just tired. Anyways, my dad lived. He got a kid plant, he's doing well. Um but that was just that time in my life where that is when I and that's when I started writing. And so it was like this huge shift in who I was as a person. I went from like it cracks me up. It like cracks me up because I very genuinely um at AM like I, I went to AM. I was in a like this group of whatever, um, not a sorority, but something kind of along that. And I got voted like girliest girl because I would literally wear high heels all across AM's campus. Like, I dressed up everywhere I went. I was full makeup. Like, I had a a boyfriend break up with me because he was like, I don't even know what you look like without makeup. And you can't just throw on a t-shirt and jeans. I'm like, well, I know, but this is just who I am. And it really wasn't who I was. I was just trying so hard to, again, wear that mask. And if that meant being pretty, then okay, that's the mask I'll wear.
0: Yeah. I don't know. But it's crazy that that mask, like, that's a great example of like that mask ended up in disconnection. Like (laughs) it didn't end up in more connection It ended up, that was the reason the relationship ended. And that's like, to me, that's one of the things that there have been friendships in my life that like a friendship can can start great. It will continue on in a really great way, or it'll end based on vulnerability, based on the fact, like whether or not I feel like we really know each other. And at some point, that that choice has to be made. And if it's not, it's like going back a little bit, I think that I'm so with you in the fact that at some point, I just decided I can't do bad friendships anymore. Like it, It's so exhausting. It's so hard. There, there were like years, decades, where I felt like I had to If if I walked out of the room, I was gonna be talked about. And I felt that way because it was true. Yeah. Um, or like if I left my seat at the table, it was gonna be taken. Um, or they were gonna get rid of the chair. Like there wasn't gonna be a spot if I for me when I came back. And so I just felt like trapped a little bit. I I felt like I was treading water, trying to stay afloat in my friendships, trying to save my spot, trying to always be there because I didn't want to be kicked out or I didn't want to be talked about. And Just like, like you said, trying to figure out who they wanted me to be so that I could be that person so that I could just have the love and the connection that I wanted. But even when I was there, it didn't feel like love and connection because it wasn't really me. Right. And I think that they're finally, I will never, I will never forget. I was 25 when I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Like I just, I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore. And that was the first time that I I made a rule for myself. I made a couple actually about who I would be friends with and what I wouldn't, what I wouldn't tolerate anymore. And it was like, I'm going to risk disconnection. Like maybe I'll end up by myself. But I think being by myself would be less lonely than being in the kinds of friendships that I've been in. And so I just, I can't be friends with you if I feel like I'm gonna walk away and you're gonna talk about me behind my back. I just won't do it. Yeah. or i i cannot be friends with you if i have to if i feel like i have to be someone different to be here or i i can't be friends with you if i feel like you're going to like my spot at the table is conditional or temporary or you know based on merit that you know i can win or lose at any given moment just at the drop of a hat um and it's the thing that's so cool is that there are friendships out there where you really can belong and where you actually have a spot and they'll save you a spot. And like, this is like a side story. I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I I went on a girl's trip with my, with three of my best friends this last summer. Um, And we were going down to the dock. We were at my my friend's parents' lake house. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were all going down to the dock. We were going to, you know, just hang out down there for the day. And so we all had our towels and there are four of us and I had to go like get some, you know, I went to get a snack or something. So I was late coming down. And when I came down, my three friends had their towels lined up, but they had my towel down there also lined up with like an open spot saved for me. And I just like, and, and I, I had felt this kind of panic as I was in the kitchen getting a snack thinking there's not going to be a spot for me. I'm going to get down there and I'm going to have to like sit on the end or I'm going to have to sit on the other side of the dock or I'm like... They're going to have found their beds at the sleepover, and there's not going to be one for me because I was there late, and like I just felt this like preemptive left out feeling. But when I got down to the dock, they had saved me a spot. Like they had, they had saved me a spot, and I just didn't know that friendship like that existed for so long. But it does. It does, and yeah, it just does. And so I'm so I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing because you're showing us that it does and showing us how to get there and one of the things that we've that so I listened to your book um which was really fun because I feel like I got to hang out with you and Jess when and
1: got in a lot of trouble not a lot of trouble but like I can't tell you how many times they were like Amy you have to stop moving your hands you can't talk with your hands because you're like hitting the
0: microphone and stuff
1: and all this and they're like you have you have to sit still you can't get stop getting so close to the microphone you're <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> it was, it was so fun. It was so funny. Like here, like getting to be there with you guys as you like talked us through the content. It was so good. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. Use as directed. Clariton, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash-friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot slash friendship There was a part in the book that just stood out to me above the rest, and it was when you were talking about insecurity, and like the fact that. Our own insecurity and us not knowing ourselves and us not feeling comfortable in our own skin—that that really can rob us in friendships. And that's something that I just don't think I've heard talked about enough. And so I know you already kind of mentioned it, but I want to dive into that way deeper. Like, how does insecurity impact friendship? Like, where? How do those two meet? And and how? Like, how does I guess, why does how we see ourselves matter in friendship?
1: I mean, good Lord. I mean, insecurity will rob us of everything. Insecurity. Yeah. kind of talked about this, like, you want a bad marriage, be insecure. You want, um, to really struggle with being a mom, like be insecure. Like it's, it's friendship, be insecure. You want, like I've talked, you know, uh, I'm, it is something I really struggle. I really struggle with. And I, you know, even in business, I know that the only person who is likely to stop me is myself. I'm likely to get in my own way. It's my insecurity. But in friendship, um, I think there are a lot of reasons, because when you're insecure, if you don't like yourself, okay, so I think it's if you don't like yourself, you're constantly looking inward at what is wrong with you, right? Like just a little picking yourself apart, and so you, you assume other people see those same things. You assume other people feel those same things. And so if they say something the wrong way, it's easily like you're easily triggered by that because they've, in your mind, they have picked on this wound and they see this insecurity and they picked up on it too, which probably isn't true. It's probably not true at all. It is in your head. Does that make sense? But if you're constantly looking, what is wrong with you? then that's what you find. I mean, I always tell my kids, I was like, you will find what you're looking for most of the time. And if you believe that people are going to leave you out, guess what? Um, and if you believe that people are going to leave you out because you're not blank enough, then you will find that. You will find reasons to assume they they don't like you. You will find reasons to assume they don't want you. You will find all of those things. And it will become this huge barrier between you and this person. You will be passive aggressive. You will sort of take a couple steps back. Because I think one of the hardest things about friendship is that there are places that feel comfortable. And there are places that will accept you fully as you are. And there are places, there are beautiful friendships that will set your towel out for you but we want those friendships to happen from day one. And they don't, they're awkward in the beginning. Like even with my best friends now, like my very, 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 one of my very, very closest friends. Like, I don't know what I would do without her. But at the beginning of the friendship, I struggle with like, wait, does she like me? Does she not? Where is this? Da, da da And it took a lot of investing for me to just, okay, Amy, keep going. Don't get in your own way here. Keep going. She has actually done nothing to make you think that she doesn't like you. That is in your, that's your insecurity. Mm-hmm. Trying to, because uh, really, I think what insecurity is in, in a lot of ways, like we want to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. but we want to protect ourselves from not being hurt. We want to protect ourselves from not being rejected. And so if we can look for signs that the other person maybe doesn't like us, then we're going to instantly push them away. And we think that's a way of protecting ourselves.
0: It's like, I'm going to back up first before, yeah, before you, like, if if you're going to decide you don't like me, well, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to quit this before you can.
1: Yes. And then we get in our head because I I can tell you like one of the most common, common comments that I see all the time is like, first of all, there are like two things that really like just annoy me. Not annoy me. That's not, that's not the right way, but just like, like maybe want to scream because I'm like, no, that's not true. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Like, well, all women are just catty and all women are mean. And and I'm like, no, no, that's actually you. That's you're the problem there. Like you are assuming that all women are mean. There are like 4.5 billion women on this planet. You think they're all mean? That's not a problem. That's a you problem. That's a you problem. And you've got to get that right. I'm sorry if you've had some bad experiences, but not all women. All women make mistakes. So have you. All women have made mistakes, so have you, but all women are not mean, and all women are not catty and all women are not like looking for reasons to push people out. Women are actually hurting and desperate and lonely and like craving friendship like they never have before. We're just all trying to find our way home. So if your first gut instinct is like, I don't trust women, they're all me, you've got to work on yourself and figure out why you feel that way because you will push everyone away and it has nothing to do with who they are. Yes. The second one is really that, like, I've been hurt so many times, so I just feel like it's better to be by myself. I don't even give anybody a chance now, which breaks my heart because we genuinely, we were not made to do life alone. Like, all of the studies are, you know, suggest that that is one of the biggest indicators of your overall happiness. It comes to your connections, and, like, Harvard just released that study, um, And overall, like even like the span of your life, like how long you're likely to live has to do with how lonely you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, The best kind of exercise for you has nothing to do with what you're actually doing. It's group exercise because you're in a group like we were not made to be alone. We were not made for that. And you will continue to crave it. And you can stuff that craving down and you can tell yourself you don't need friendship and you can tell yourself you don't want friendship and you can tell yourself you don't want other people. But deep down, yes, you do. Yes, you do. So you're going to have to get past the hurt and the fear of rejection um, and, and figure out how to make that happen. And and it's so hard to trust people because we've all been pushed away before. It's hard to trust people. It's hard to trust like when people have not liked us before, when people have not wanted us before. Man, that gets in your head. And that's what you think is coming next. That's what you <laughs> always think is coming next. But I think if we can get over our insecurity and be like, okay, listen, I... I like me. I may not be the funniest girl. I may not be the one who is like showing up with homemade cupcakes and I may not be the one who has it all together. But I am the one who would answer her phone call at 3 a.m. I am the one who will be there with Starbucks. Um, I am the one who will let you be yourself and let you have those messy, ugly, terrible moments. I will, I, I can do that. And once we get confident in that, And we get over that insecurity, then I think we just breathe. And I think when we breathe better, the people around us breathe better, too. I think when we're comfortable with ourselves, we give people a space to be comfortable with who they are. When we take our mask off, other people, the right people are ready to take their mask off, too. And it just creates a better environment. Um, So getting over that insecurity, and it stops us from being, we're not, we we feel really confident. You're not that scared of being rejected anymore because you don't look at it as rejection. You don't look at it as there's something wrong with me. Um, You kind of switch gears and go, okay, that just wasn't the right fit. That's fine. I will move on and find, find, I will find my place. But you know what I'm saying? When you're insecure, it's like, oh, well, they don't like me. Of course they don't. And you like pile it on this bricks of reasons not to trust people and not to like yourself. But when you are really confident and you're like, well, it's not that they didn't like me. It's not that anything's wrong with me. It's just that you want to fit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's all so good. That's all so good. The thing about like, this is what's coming next. It's really, I think we like, and I'm sure that there are studies about this, but like we're natural pattern finders, you know, like we find a sense of place, a sense of security, a sense of of understanding of the world when we can go okay like blue green blue green what comes next blue what it's so hard to not imagine you're in a similar situation with a friend that you were you're you're having deja vu like crazy it's so hard to imagine that you're not going to end up in the same place that you did in that prior friendship or that they're not about to drop the same shoe that your last friend did when they ended it with you. Like, how do we, how do we let go of that next step and and make space for there to be a different, for it to go in a different direction?
1: Yeah, that's really hard. That's actually something I've been studying quite a bit right now. Uh, because it's yeah. hard it is very hard. Um, and we're all, I think not all I shouldn't say all people, but a lot of us are really scared of rejection because we've been rejected before, and um. And again, like we built these patterns, like this is what's coming next. One of the things I like to think about, so let's say I drew a picture of a tree and I wanted you to draw a picture of the same tree. And let's say I I took the picture, I covered up the bottom half and had you draw the first half. This is something like I think writers, I mean, drawers do, I don't know, artists.
0: Artists, people who, yeah. To do
1: the best job possible I would flip that upside down. Does that make sense? So that the tree was so that the tree was upside down. Okay. Yeah. And then cover up the other half. Okay. And the reason why is because your brain will naturally see that part of the paper that's covered up and try to try to imagine what the tree looks like without having actually seen what the tree looks like. Okay. Does that make sense? Is yeah. Rare. Okay, is it? I feel like I'm doing a terrible job here. But like your brain will naturally try to fill in the rest of the picture with what your brain thinks belongs there. Yes. If you're an artist and you really want this person to recreate what you've done well, you'll flip it upside down because then your brain has a harder time filling in those holes. Okay. So I think sometimes if we can just do that with friendship and realize, like, okay, I'm trying to fill in holes there that aren't actually here, I'm assuming a lot of things that don't actually exist. I took this thing that they said in the worst way possible. Is that fair? Is that right? Because something I, I want... Sorry, that was really confusing. If you want to cut that out, you can. No, <laughs> like, you're fine. You're fine. I like, just want to draw it. Yeah, I know. But that's what like your brain will try to fill it in. Yeah. Without having actually ever seen it. And then we do that to people too. And we do that... There's a lot of reasons why we do that to people. It is our... Like, it's our natural instinct. It keeps us... Safe a lot of the time, um, but a lot of the times I think the thing that keeps us safe is also the thing that keeps us lonely, and so we have to be careful of that. And one of the things I'm trying to get to because I'm not the best at it, I tend to see the best in everybody, and I really like everybody, and I can brush over a lot of stuff, or then I can flip to the wrong side. If you get on my bad side, I can get to a place where I only see bad in you. <laughs> that sounds terrible to me, but I think I can do that. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that very often. More times than not. I like sugarcoat everything. Um, I'm trying to get to a place where like, God, don't let me see the, don't let me see only the good in someone. Don't let me see only the bad. Like, let me see the truth. I want to see the truth in them. And if we can get there, then within, we won't assume the worst. We won't assume that everything that they said was a slight against us because it's normally not. Yeah. Um, we want to assume that every action that they have taken was a way to insult us because it's normally not. People are normally like, we are the center of our own universe, but we're not the center of their universe. They're not out there trying to make our life awful. They're just living their life too. And sometimes we step on each other's toes in the meantime, but our assumption is they, oh, they're out to get me. They just hate me. They're, no, oh, they're probably, they probably don't. They're probably just living their own life and they're doing the best they can too.
0: Um, my girls are two and a half, Mm -hmm. which is almost two and a half, I guess. And they're going to be starting pre-preschool here soon. And I'm totally nervous about it because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if they think we, what if we take them to school and drop them off and they think we like abandoned them? Or what if they're too young for this? Even though I'm like, oh, they're going to love it. They can't, like if they knew what was coming, they'd be like, take us now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I'm going to miss them so much. You know, are we going to... Like, I, I have all these doubts and fears. And I actually was... I was talking about this in counseling a couple of days ago because this is how real this is for me. My I've, I've worked through kind of each of my fears about the girls, you know, going to school in this next phase. The last one was, what if they get to school and someone's really mean to them? And I just, like... I'm picturing my worst friendship moments and I'm so scared that they are going to like have to live through them. And I know that I can't stop it, but I know that, and I know that I can't like keep them out of school to avoid people who could potentially be mean, but probably won't be. Uh, Or like some kid will be mean, but like they're going to be okay. But I had to really like walk through what happens if that does happen. And I like... I've done this in different ways in different areas of my life, and it's always been helpful. But like, okay, then what? Then what? Then what? Let's get to the to the worst case scenario. So worst case scenario, they walk into school as two and a half year olds. Most people, like most two and a half year olds don't talk. So it's like, it's hard to be a bully when you can't really talk. They're, they're going to walk in. Honestly, probably they're going to have a bunch of friends. But say that someone is... Has the wherewithal to be able to speak as a two and a half year old and to be able to be intentionally cruel as a two and a half year old. Okay. Well, if that's the case, like what happens? They come home and they're sad. Okay. Well, then I talk to them about it. And worst case scenario, they can't solve it themselves, which they're two and a half so they probably can't yet. Um, so like I talk to the teacher or I talk to the other mom. okay. Well, so let's say the other mom is like, just a terrible person who is out to make all two and a half year olds feel terrible through her terrible little child. Okay, well, if that's the case, like, well, then we separate from them, you know, like if there's not a way to, or like, maybe the girls could be in a different group than this kid in class, or, you know, so maybe there's a way to just give some space. So if you're going to be terrible, you be terrible over here. We're just going to keep living our lives. Okay, but then that doesn't work. Okay, well, then maybe we switch classrooms. Okay, well, then say that this mom and her tiny little child are like the biggest mean girl terrors ever. Well, then like there are a million schools here. Like we can find someplace else to go. We can find, because the, the truth is that if that mom and that daughter are that terrible and no one else cares, and they're able to sway the culture so far in that direction to be terrible and mean and make everyone else feel small, and no one else is fighting back against it, then those aren't our people. Like then those aren't our people. And we get to to make decisions to move ourselves to be in places where we are surrounded by people who are going to be our people. And that's a decision that I get to make for our family because I am a grown-up. And that is what we talked about in therapy last week. But I think that that just like walking down the road of, and then this and then this. And then if this happens, and if that person doesn't call me back, well then. I can ask them why. Or and if worst case, like worst case scenario, they say, I think that you are the goofiest girl in class and I don't want to be your friend. Well, you're like, well, if you don't want to be friends with someone who's goofy, I don't think we have the same taste in like we don't have the same values. Yeah. So I think that like, we're not gonna think the same things are funny. We're not gonna like, okay, then it turns out that you're not the right person for me. And and it may be really sad, but we're going to wake up the next day and we're going to be okay. I should have seen this coming that walking your kids through, like, I I mean, I'm, I'm so early in this, you know, like I'm right at the beginning. I have no clue what I'm doing. And they're like, they're two and a half. So I haven't gotten too far into this, but this is my first experience of like, oh my gosh, you guys are going to go through some of the things that I went through. And like, this is, yeah, I'm going to have to relive some of this stuff like through you and I'm going to have to walk you through it. And I'm going to have to like find the things that I've learned or the things that I wish someone would have told me. Like I'm going to have to, I'm now the parent to guide you through this stuff. And it's so crazy. And some of this stuff is like going to bring up feelings. And even just the idea that someone could be mean to them totally brought things up in me. But I think that like, it's so interesting that parenting them is, those same options are the same options that we have. Like, if you cannot work out or like fix a, a conflict with someone by talking to them, by making a different choice, by being honest with them, by uh, like, if you can't work something out with them, you can also move to a different table. You can find a different like. If you can't get to a good place with that kid in the football, go find other kids to to play with at recess. Like, go play on a different part of the playground. Like, that is an option for you, and that's an option for us as women too. Like, if if you're if you can't get through to the people that you're, you know, your coworkers or the friend group that you're in, like if it's not getting better, you can go find something else. That is an option. Also, creating something else is an option. I think like all of those things, it's just so cool to think about. Like we're talking about playground, but we're also all of those same options exist for us too.
1: To start something new. I guess that's what I, one of my other things that, you know, everybody, it's like, we're all waiting for someone to invite us and we're all waiting for someone to, uh, to befriend us. And, um, the truth is if we're all waiting around then nothing is ever going to happen. So be the initiator, be the inviter. And that is not, that doesn't always come natural to me. Um, because like I said, I do get insecure and I really get in my head a lot, but like, what is the worst thing that happens if you invite somebody to coffee? They tell you no. Okay. You can handle that. Yeah. You can handle that. I even at one point I so well, there was this day and I really wanted to play. I had like 2 hours worth of free time. Like I think something got canceled and I had 2 hours and it was this beautiful day and I really wanted to go play tennis. And so I, you know, texted the first couple girls that I Will play tennis with every once in a while. And
0: I'm terrible at tennis.
1: I'm so bad. I'm not like out there, like, ooh,
0: ooh like, I know, I'm totally picturing you. Like, yeah.
1: I want people to know that that is not me. Like, I am out there just having a really good time being terrible. <laughs> I'm just out there having a good time. I don't play, I don't do the, I don't get real into it. Um, But I just want to play tennis. It's beautiful. So I call it the couple of the girls that I normally play tennis with. They are busy. I think like I got to three people and I was like, Amy, well, no one's going to play with you. Like, no one's going to play tennis with you. Stop. This is stupid. This is stupid. Everybody's going to say no. And then I stopped and I thought, what if I change the way that I'm thinking about this? And instead of looking at those as, as rejections, because like I talked about earlier, I do genuinely believe most of us are scared of rejection. So what if I stop? And I stopped looking at those invitations and they're telling me no as rejections. And I started looking at that as an open door between me and this person. I just opened up that door. I said, hey, I like you. Hey, I would like to spend time with you. Hey, I think you're cool. I'd like to know you more. And I just opened up that door so that when they, if they ever feel like inviting me, they're gonna know I'm not likely to reject them. I'm a safe space because I've opened that door between us. And so I changed my thought that day and I was like, how many doors can you open? How many times can people tell you no? Do it. Just ask as many people as you can. Get told no a whole bunch today. But instead of looking at like it's easy, we look at no as a slam door. And what if we changed our way of thinking and we looked at it as we push that gate open between us and that person? And let's be the person who does that. Let's put someone else's fears to rest. Like if they're Scared of rejection, cool. I just made it less likely that they're going to be scared. If they feel like no one's likely, cool. I just told them, someone does. Someone likes you. Someone wants to spend time with you. And that's a really good thing. So we just all like have to stop waiting for other people to ask. And we have to stop waiting because that does, there's power. There is power in taking hold of that. Being like, I can do this. I can send this text. I can ask this person to coffee. I can get out of my comfort zone for two seconds. I can get out of my own comfort zone because and, and that is where the power of friendship lies is I am capable of doing these things and I'm capable of making these things happen. I don't have to wait.
0: I love that so much. I one of the conversations that I have a lot with women, and I, I'm guessing you do too, is um because we're in sort of like ministry-ish roles. Yes. I think that so many women are trying to figure out where they can make a difference in the world. And like where, you know, I want to serve in some way. I want to be part of something. I want to like, we're all kind of like looking for our, our spot where we can make a difference. And it feels like you need to have like the head pastor tap you to be the, you know, middle school pastor or to like lead a small group or, you know, something like that in order to be able to be, in order to like be able to serve. The most powerful thing that we can do, that we can all do to like step into ministry, to step into service of another person is to do exactly what you're saying, is to say, hey, I like you. Like you're not alone because, and you're not forgotten. I haven't forgotten you. I see you. I like you. And that's a free gift that we can give to everybody. And so what if like, and I think that thinking about it that way makes it more, like as women, we're pretty good at doing things for other people. And so if we can think about it as doing this for someone else, it's less like, will you do this for me? I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to tell you that I like you. I'm going to tell you that I would like to spend time with you. I'm going to like put an invitation on your calendar. And if you can say yes, say yes. If not, that's okay. But at least you'll know that someone cares about you. Yeah. That is just this incredible ministry if, if we want to think about it that way or this incredible gift or this incredible service that we can do for the women in our life and we can do it right now and it's free yeah. and it Aren't will it, also turn into beautiful friendships for it us too
1: well and it's uh like this it is actually in the book like in chapter eight it was it was really powerful that i learned thing that i learned in chapter eight was i felt like i felt like i was trying to like push my way into this mom group that they did not weren't reciprocal of me being there, um, which I do want to say too, because I saw something about this yesterday and it was like, you know, that group of like, uh, like mean moms that always stand together and won't talk to anybody else. Okay. First of all, why would we assume that they're mean? Like, that's not fair either. Like just because they've been friends for a long time and that might be their safe space and those might be their people that doesn't make them mean. Because we can't be best friends with everybody and we can't expect everyone to be best friends with us. That's just life. People are, people, I don't know. I just saw that yesterday and I was like, no, that's so unfair. That's so unfair. That's so unfair. And just going like, that's not right. And you have all these assumptions about these people that probably aren't true at all. They're probably insecure. They're probably trying really hard to make it work. Um, Those five minutes at school pickup may be the only time they see... (laughs)
0: Another human.
1: <laughs> so is they're always there at the same time every day? So they just talk to each other. Yeah, I do think we can work on being more inclusive and like noticing other people and saying hi to people around us. But most people are insecure and they're just trying to get through too. So labeling people as mean, I don't know. I just don't like it. I think it's better if we think, if we think better of each other.
0: And I think if, if someone is genuinely mean, if someone is genuinely spending the, time in their day that they, like their free time, which there isn't enough of it, trying to make other people feel small, it's because they feel small. They're just, just, I just don't know that there are any people in the world who are just genuinely mean down to their core that aren't hurting. No,
1: no, there's normally a reason why. Um, but there was this mom group and they they had been friends for longer and I was trying to force my way in and, and that wasn't happening for me, which is no, that is not, no fault of theirs. It just wasn't happening. And I kept trying. And finally, one day I paused and I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You are trying to water a dead plant and you're giving all your time and all your energy to these dead plants. Stop. Stop. You're trying to make your way to the center of the circle. Stop. Who else is on the outside? Who else is not being invited? Who else is not being included? Because there's somebody. There's somebody, just like I told my my son, you're not the only one who's not being, you're not the only one. They're not letting play football. You're not the only one they're saying no to. There's somebody else. If I were you, I'd go and find those kids and I would work on starting a friendship with them. And I kind of did that, that same mentality of like, who else is on the outside? And I found, you know, one of my absolute best friends. She was new in town. Um, you know, a lot of people we had kids the same age and I was so focused on myself that I didn't even see that there was another person out there longing for friendship because I was so focused on myself. But that's again, I think insecurity keeps us focused on us. And when we're really confident, we have the power to like pick our head up and look around and see other people. And when we can give the gift of friendship, it's so much more likely to be reciprocal. You know, when we find someone who needs a friend, they're going to be a better friend because they need it too. Yeah. So that was just a really powerful lesson that I learned. of Like, look for who else is on the outside. Know where you're watering. And if it's a dead plant, you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be bitter. Just start watering somewhere else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for for leading with vulnerability and for just being a really good friend to the people who follow you and to us today. And um, I'm just really glad to know you.
1: Oh, thank you, Stephanie. I'm so grateful too. Thank you for having me. This was really fun.
0: Friends, that was our last episode of season 17. I feel like the season flew by, didn't it? We're gonna be back in just a few weeks for brand new episodes in season 18. And I'm so excited about what we have in store. But before we go, I would love it if you do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. And it'll also let you know the second we're back for season 18. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take just a second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who've left those beautiful five-star reviews already. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Friends, thanks so much again for listening to this episode and for listening to season 17 of the Girls' Night podcast. And I will see you in just a few short weeks for brand new episodes in Girls' Night season 18.